Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker, a podcast that looks at the heart and soul of the people at the tables and behind the tables for our beloved poker. This is not a strategy podcast. Instead, I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study, developed 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for quickly getting to know someone on a deeper level. My guest this time is Adam Pliska, award winner and the president and CEO of one of the most iconic brands in the game, the World Poker Tour. He's not only impacted the poker industry in its trajectory, but he's used his position to foster charitable initiatives that have impacted so many communities. He has a fascinating approach to life, and I'm glad he agreed to come and talk with me. Thank you, Adam. I know you're incredibly busy, so I appreciate this very much. It's so nice to be on with you. We we missed seeing you at the poker the yes. uh, poker awards because you know it's now become kind of a reunion for people. But uh, mm-hmm. we look forward to things becoming normalized and seeing you in three D again. Yeah, I can't wait. I was uh, I was going to stay up, <laughs> but since I live in Italy, I was just thinking there is just no way I'm going to be able to stay up and watch that ceremony. So thankfully, you know, catching all of the the Twitter updates on it the, the day after was really nice. And, and I definitely miss, miss all of you as well. And I can't wait to be back in Las Vegas this summer. So that is heavily on my schedule. Uh, apologies for a little bit of a croaky throat here. It's not the dreaded COVID, thankfully, just um, <laughs> just a little bit under the weather. Um, so yeah, let's kind of dive in. This has three sets of questions. They get progressively more kind of personal. And are you okay with, you know, kind of diving into some of the deep stuff? You uh, you have no limitations. It's, this is like wow. taking me to a restaurant when they say, <laughs> "Do you have any dietary?" There's no, no. Can you eat? Yes, yes. Whatever it is, you're you go. Bring right me the out. most interesting thing on the menu. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with this one. Do you believe in love at first sight? Would never answer that question, Car. I would never. No, no I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I. Uh, I I do believe that um, there are those triggers based on our collective experiences over the years that Mm -hmm. can cause two people to immediately have what you would say is love or chemistry. Now, does that mean um, the the one or the thing or the soulmate or that? I I don't think so. I, I really I'm a believer that if we all lived a thousand years we would probably have multiple experiences over time because that is life, but we would learn, we'd be much better at, um, at transition and change. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that there are those things that allow us when you, you know, it, you, sometimes you, you look over and you say, um, you know, that that's the one person or yeah. I know I'm going to, I knew I was going to be friends with that person forever yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, because friend love, I mean, it's a very underrated form of love, I think. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most grateful to poker for is the incredible group of friends that and people that I've met, you know, colleagues and and even just the ones that you meet just at a table for a day. And there is some kind of chemistry where you think, I don't know what it is about the shape of your head <laughs> or, you know, the way you say that word or yeah. I can tell that, you know, whatever you're being – really considerate of people around you. I, I, you know, it's almost that kind of love at first sight. I, I agree with you. I, I'm of the opinion that that is probably it. 
And interesting thought if we were to live for a thousand years. Some people truly do believe that that would mean kind of one true love for a thousand years. And so you kind of think maybe learning different things from different people over that time? Yeah, I do think, mm. um, I, I think what happens is when we are young and we were, we will all die young, right? I mean, if you live 110 oh, yeah. years, that will still be young in um, <laughs> tortoise years or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> but at, we are, love is far more about attachment, mine, mm. yours, and you are my thing, whatever. And I think we get little glimmers of this as we get older. Uh, mm -hmm. that uh, the allowing the flow and allowing the letting go allows us to appreciate and lets that the essence of someone linger forever in a way mm -hmm. that's not necessarily based on saying you're mine as a, I can't think about what it would be like if you weren't physically right here right now. And so right. I don't think that uh, I don't, I'm not saying that I, love would die over time but mm -hmm. i do think transition would change and we would come to um we would come to see this as part of a great symphony of of, of notes and moments mm -hmm. that we cherish uh, the other thing is i i don't tend to look at life linearly mm -hmm. and I, I i think i tend to think of life thematically so huh. uh, i think most people tend to go well i was young and then i got older and then i did this and i learned this and at the end i lived in a I had glorious wisdom and I had everything that I wanted. And, and I don't know that that's the best way to look at life because huh. the truth is uh, um, you and I may have the most wonderful end with the most dramatic, you know, Jean Valjean sitting at the moment, realizing <laughs> he, he found the wisdom that he was looking for and the angels come down and take him. Or we might just be hit by a pack of seagulls and taken <laughs> out of the last moment could be ridiculous we don't want to say that the last moment defined our life. What defined our yeah. life is all of those moments. And so that's why I tend to look at life thematically hmm. instead of linearly. What do you think gave you that kind of viewpoint on life? Because, again, I, I say I am definitely inclined to agree with you. I think that the way we look at life really would benefit if we could have the benefit of a thousand years, even if we're only going to live, whatever, a hundred. If we could have the benefit of that thousand years to understand what kind of time really means and what people really mean and, and attachments. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a specific example of what taught me. Uh, uh, do you remember Twee Duan? Mm -hmm. uh, she was a... I a, do. Yes, a, a player. And so she had come up to me... Uh, at some poker event and said, Hey, I'm starting to get a lot of press. You know, I, you're in the industry. Would you give me some tips on how I could deal with it? Didn't really know her. And we, I said, why don't you come to the event or Borgata? You can meet our staff and hang out. And it was there. She uh, fell and um, she was taken to the hospital. Now leading the world poker tour, I went to the hospital and I was there hospital when the doctor came back in and said, uh, you know, basically there's some bad news. Hmm. The cancer had come back and all of this. And so we went on this journey of two remarkable years together and her family and getting to know each other um, where I saw so much life in two years of a 24 year old young hmm. woman. And 
it really had a profound effect. I mean, my the, the last experience that we had is she invited me over to go to Virginia and I went to stay with her family's house. And she checked out of the hospital because she knew I was a history buff. So she could take me to Monticello. Huh. And we just went to Monticello with her family. And it was this glorious moment. And I learned, I mean, it was a really profound moment to me to realize it's not about it, it, it. It's not about, wow, at 40, I'll do better than 50. And 50. Huh. What you will get is wisdom. And that will show you how to treasure moments. But it is, you know, to suggest that more time would have given her more life. I think mm. she showed me that you can have a most profound, impactful life no matter the moments, whatever moments that we were given. So yes, if we lived a thousand years, I think we would just start to understand that more, that the paradox of it is we lived a thousand years. Mm -hmm. The strange thing is you didn't need to live a thousand years to live a meaningful life. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of on a side note and tangential to that, I feel like one of the cruelest things that the last couple of years with the pandemic has given to the world is um, is a loss of time. And for some people, quite important time, you know, maybe they're towards the end of their life and they wanted to spend it with family and then they couldn't, that kind of thing. And I think that kind of perspective is very true. And having having the having the ability to take a look at it and realize that we are so much more than just the end or we are so much more than like you say, the decades as they go by is incredibly important for being able to live through this kind of experience of, you know, not getting to spend time with the people that we love through the important moments that they're, that they're going through, I think. Sure. I mean, we live, we live, we have 30,000 days in our life. Mm -hmm. And of those 30,000 days, there's probably 20 that are pivotal to, you know, when you decided, not when you said yes, but when you decided, this is going to be my husband or I'm going to live here or I'm going Mm. to do this. And then we have all these other days in between whose job is just to get us to those pivotal days, but it doesn't mean they're unimportant. Yeah. What a waste to see them that way. Yeah. They are the way to look at it. Those, those are the days we just, we get to be curious observers of life and live. Mm. We don't have to make, you you literally could make 20 important decisions in your life and that could determine your wealth and your comfort level and other but those other days how wonderful mm-hmm. that we just get to be creative um pilgrims that are out in the world yeah you've always struck me as someone who thinks quite a lot about the world and the way you impact the world um and so my next question is, what would your, you know, your best friend or your partner say is one of your worst habits? Because it is hard for me to picture that. Oh, well. <laughs> so I'm very curious. Uh, my wife will give you a, uh, a lovely <laughs> list of, uh, uh, of things. But I, I do think a lot. And I, I, and I have had to learn over the years to not let that thinking go in spirals, right? Because I mm. can be so cerebral um, that a lot of my uh, 
more tangible things, you know, riding horses or whatever, or it's my attempt to know I could sit in a room all day with a book or a thought and go over and over, but, but you shouldn't, you, you, right. you got to take some of those thoughts and you got to interact with the world. I, I you know, my, my wife is Japanese and I, I love the analogy of a Japanese garden, which is European gardens are very structured, right? They're beautiful and structured mm-hmm. and blind. The Japanese garden, you put a you put a rock in a stream, and the stream causes moss, and then you come up and you build a fence, and then it rains and it corrodes the fence, and this building this dance between you and nature. And so, to me, my bad habit is if I did not make a conscious effort to go out and interact, I could be way too cerebral in a, hmm. in a way that's not, you know, probably not helpful to me. Yeah. Okay. So when did you last sing to yourself or someone else? Well, I'm singing. I think I, I, I'm singing anytime I get in the car and probably <laughs> singing in the shower. Um, yeah, I, 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 I sing, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, know, I'll tell you, you asked me when's the last time because yeah. I do this every morning. I sing to my dogs when I am <laughs> feeding them. I pick them up every morning and I, it sounds ridiculous, but the whole point of this podcast is to be open. <laughs> and I pick them up and I go, raise your paws, raise your paws when you, you like food. And then they're so happy to see me. Oh. And then I, and then we go down there and then I sing again. Yeah, if you want my beef, it's gone. <laughs> and they just think Fantastic. I am the king of the world. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that is the last time I sang, and you know, and um, now I've done it for. The I world. love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know how much more approachable you've just made yourself to <laughs> a wide portion of the poker audience? Oh, Absolutely. So goofy. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? Uh, yes, I am. I, I am. I am grateful that I get. To, I'm grateful that we live in this period of time. Yeah. Um, I, I I really do believe. Uh, you know, you always hear the people that ah, my day it used to be better. I don't think so. I mean, I, I was earlier this morning thinking that when I started in TV, how money determined so much whether or not you would succeed or not, whether or not you had access to the right college or the right um, equipment or whatever. It doesn't mean you wouldn't. There's always an exception. But now I look online and I know there's a lot of negative things online, but I look at the, the creativity out there yeah, and just think, what a wonderful time we live in that you can, that by your very uniqueness, you can shine in a world that you could not do 30 years ago. Yeah. I just, I love that. Very for cool. sure. Embrace the it. tools for doing that have been so, they've been made so much more accessible to the general public. So yeah. the voices that we get to hear now are so much more wide and diverse and we get to see into people's lives in a way that we never got to do before yeah. into the kind of like the, the breadth and depth of people's lives that we never got to do before. I love that too. So much learning. I, I, 
I was uh, cleaning my mom's house and I found the World Book Encyclopedia that we used when I was a kid. And I looked at that when as a kid, that was my entire yeah. knowledge base, right? <laughs> Me how too. Much, how much <laughs> knowledge do you get now? You're, you, I mean, is it's the easiest thing in the world to say, ah, TikTok, it's destroying the world or whatever it is. <laughs> but how many times that you're like, who is that person who mm-hmm. can, you know, contort themselves in that way and also do that. And then you go and you find something interesting. I think it's great. I do too. And I mean, I grew up that way. We had like, I don't even know how many different sets of encyclopedias. My family loved encyclopedias. We had it for, you know, natural history and for politics and for everything. And that's where I got an enormous amount of my understanding of the world. But like you say, to be able to actually hear people's voices and see who they are and to be able to do it in a way where it's not kind of being curated as much. It, it is slightly curated, but not as much as, you know, reading the same sure. encyclopedia that everybody else read that was edited right. by a very specific <laughs> set of people. So That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I like that one. What do you want out of life? What do you think would make you get to the end of it and say, yeah, I did this the right way. This is definitely, this was good. Yeah, I, um, it's, a, it's a very good question. Um, and I think that it probably has evolved over the years, but I'll give you the one in this little snapshot of time um, that I, I, I would like to feel that I was a prompt for other people to have lived more of the life that they would mm. like to live. If, if I did that, I mean, education, teaching is a very, I like that, but um, I, sometimes I, I have realized over time, I always thought, whatever I'm going to do, I know one thing, I'm going to retire as a professor. I love that idea, whatever. But as, I, as I've grown older, I realized it's less about that I have some set of knowledge that I need to impart. And oftentimes about helping people unleash who they want to be and feel free and giving Mm -hmm. them a canvas. And I I look, I feel that way with the world poker tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, we have tournaments, but we have canvases, a way for people to meet each other, a way for people to connect. And if I can go by at the end of my life and feel like, um, we did that when I, when I was a kid, my hero was Ricardo Montalban on <laughs> fantasy Island uh-huh. and because he would, he had this Island and people would go there and he really wouldn't, he wasn't there to kind of teach you something he wanted you to know. Mm-hmm. He let you go through your own adventure. He was just kind of the curator in the background and I love it. And I think mm-hmm. it still influences me today. I can see that. I I think you are an incredibly supportive person. I mean, when let's see, the first time I hosted the um, the Global Poker Awards, I was incredibly nervous to be doing that in front of a live audience and standing up on stage. And it is kind of something that I've always really found so nerve wracking. And I was glad to do it. And I remember pretty vividly, actually, uh, Mike Sexton was there and. I love Mike and he's always been such, he was always such a huge support. 
in my poker career and as a friend, and, and I, I really valued that. And he told me afterwards that he really enjoyed what I did. But I remember at one of the breaks, you came up to me with Mike, I think, and told me that you really liked what I was doing and that you thought I was doing a great job. And you made a point of it. And it it kind yeah. of, it took me by surprise. It was lovely and supportive in a way that I kind of needed in order to go on and do another, you know, another set of, of, of awards. And I've always remembered that. So thank you for that. Well, I, I remember, I, I actually remember that very specific incident oh. because I'll give you my perspective of it. Is <laughs> you were one of the big bright lights in the industry that I had not worked with at mm. that time. Right. And, um, and you were bringing more than, you know, I just want to advance my career and look, I'm a talented person who has this ability <laughs> to go up and capture a room. And that of course is everything that I'm, you know, I, I'm enamored with. And I find mm. that I'm curious and, and I think it's wonderful. And, um, I, I, I do remember doing that because it was, you know, at the time, uh, you know, we, you know, as over the years, you know, we've had different people work with us. Um, but, you know, every everybody, of course, wanted uh, everybody like they do. Like everybody wants you all of the time or <laughs> all of that. And it, how do you, you know, what do you when you say you're going to admire some, when you admire someone, and I admire mm. you greatly, what is it that you impart? And I remember when I worked at Castle Rock, I always loved Jimmy Stewart. And one day oh, I yes. walked into the lobby and there was Jimmy Stewart. Of oh all my things, goodness. Jimmy Stewart. And I walk up and here's my moment. And I realized I'm not going to say a thing because yeah. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Because my admiration is I just admired him. I didn't have anything. And that sometimes is the appropriate um, message. But what I wanted to convey was you could have been doing this podcast, right? You could have been doing this years ago. What you have brought in your legacy in this industry Mm -hmm. is so much are going to be about bringing the humanity into the industry. And I just, I love it. And I love that that you can do that and still have this masterful professionalism um, at the same time. And of course you have a voice that uh, we, we would all like uh, reading the phone book if, <laughs> if possible. <laughs> that is so kind. That is genuinely so kind. Thank you. I appreciate that very, very much. I, can, I can't tell you how much. And uh, it's funny that you say that about Jimmy Stewart. I grew up a little bit obsessed with him, to be honest. My grandmother had a whole bunch of VHS tapes, and most of them <laughs> were of him. And I was just... Well, like your I grandmother remember, might have been a little obsessed with him. <laughs> she might have been. <laughs> I mean, it was a very handsome man in his day. Let's not... Uh, don't get it twisted. He really was. And yeah. I remember watching like his movies over and over again, you know, Harvey especially, and the idea of having this giant invisible rabbit for a best friend. It, it's just... There was something quite yeah. like... He could be so whimsical and just so very serious, and I, I love that about him. So, but I don't hear about him very much anymore because you know, <laughs> time moves on. So I, I appreciate you bringing him up. Um, okay, what roles do love and affection play in your life, and how important is family to you? Uh, okay, multi multi part question yes. here. And, and, and so. Um, 
it's the I'm gonna uh, bifurcate this of love and affection and then family. Okay. So love and affection, um, love is immensely important, but um, but love takes on many forms and at many times. And I often think that affection is confused with love. Um, yeah. That I, I often believe that sometimes affection is our one or, or one of our best modes of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, you know, I heard Vince's vo- podcast where he was saying that you know his you know his parents didn't say I love you and that that type, but mm. but you know he kind of knew. Well, my uh, I had a. I had a mother who absolutely made up for that, right? I literally yeah. all saying, I love you all the time. But my, you know, my father, my father and grandfather, I come from a line of law enforcement people. My father was a oh. sheriff. My grandfather led the police department at Newport Beach. And um, they were quite stoic individuals. Mm. Um, and I remember um, as a kid, somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a, it's my dad. He asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a priest for rich people. And, and, they, and he said, well, why? We were definitely not rich. We definitely did not come from that world. And my father had gone to a lot of Catholic schools. It probably made sure we weren't, you know, uh, let's just not say we were, we were there every Sunday. So, and I said, why do you want to do that? And I said, I believe that rich people have, problems that other people don't think they have huh and i think that comes from the fact that i knew my father was a loving and affectionate man Mm. that it showed in a handshake it showed Mm. in the way that his eyes would glisten when i knew he was proud of me yeah you know and it didn't necessarily come out in in the way that we often associate affection, but affection, affection's, you know, cousin is intimacy mm-hmm. and that intimacy can be, can come out in many ways. I, I actually, it's like going into a, you know, you go into a great museum and sometimes there's too many great paintings for you to enjoy them. And then sometimes you're just in a room and there's a little thing over there and it's just the lighting hits it in the right way. And it's just wonderful. And so, is very important is the answer. Um, but I, the way that I do, I'm not going to say, oh, I, you know, I need to, you know, I don't need to hear I love you all the time. I don't need to necessarily have a, you know, it doesn't need to come out in a physical way. Small things can mm. matter. Um, and when it's time, you know, those things that you physically, uh, um, I, I think it's, then it becomes even more precious. In terms of family, Family is very important to me, but I, I, I came a little late in life in my family, and I don't have many people. And my sister died uh, 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 two years ago. Uh, my I'm one sorry. Sister, and, uh, oh, yeah. that's, she lived a good. Then my father died the, in, a couple months into the World Poker Tour, um, <laughs> and uh, my, my mom is left. But that is, you often hear me refer to the WPT family, and I think yeah. in many ways, you know, when we say family. Uh, we don't just meet it in the all warm and fuzzy things. I mean, we mean family the way that you say. I used to tell Steve Lipscomb, you can fire me, but I'm gonna, I'm still coming to Thanksgiving dinner. And we mean it. I mean, we will, we, we're, we believe we're, we're not getting off the ship 
together. Yeah. We're on the ship together. We elevate each other. Um, when someone is down, when somebody needs the confrontation, we confront them. But they, everyone knows, I, mm. I think, that we have the back. And to me, um, you know, that is a big part of my, that's a big part of my family as, as well. Yeah. There is something. And then I, I, mean, I have a very happy home. You know, I have a, a happy, very small and quiet, happy home. But I, <laughs> not, my home's not necessarily small, but my, my, uh, our, our, our world is quiet and our, yeah. our little dogs, we don't have kids or anything, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite nice. That is nice. It strikes me that when I think about the WPT in terms of like where it sits in the, in the poker landscape, it is so different from anything else out there. Like it, I mean, it's, like I said, one of the most important and iconic brands in the game. And that's true, but it has a different feeling. There's something about the the shows. There's something about the staff that you choose, the people in front of the camera and behind. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be around a lot of them. And I have a lot of respect for the people that you choose behind the camera. I think, you know, you've got some amazing, amazing staff, but what do you think it is? Is it the family atmosphere? The, what is it that makes the WPT have such a different feeling to, to everything else in poker? Uh, yeah, I, I think there is a few things. Uh, first, let's start with the idea that if tomorrow I put in 50% um, equity in all of the pots, we would maybe increase, you know, we just had a sponsorship where we're just going to, you know, essentially uh double all of the prize pools or whatever it is, the Mm -hmm. the numbers would increase. Sure. But would that change the impact of WPT? No, you know, it it doesn't. So what is our meaning? If tomorrow we have an event and it's three times larger than the main event, will that change the world poker tour in the hearts and minds of people? Maybe Mm -hmm. for a short term, but not in the long term. What we have to do is curate a place where people can have experiences because mm-hmm. they can have a poker event anywhere and that they can feel that they're under an, uh, you know, an umbrella of experiences that we're always, that we're thinking of this together. And it is a very important, you know, Steve Lipskin and I, we talk, we talk almost every day still. And um, we talk about this all the time that, you know, one day no one will know who we are and that's just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get over, you got to get over the egos and the stuff and you just yeah. live in appreciation that let's try to bring the most creative, wonderful, curious, weird, strange mm-hmm. people together and let's have a journey together under a common set of rules based on dignity and, and respect for everyone else. Right. Just appreciate it in our time. And I, I do think that that, I think that is imbued in in the culture and the ethos of the company. Okay. Well, going back to family again, um, what is your relationship with your mother like? And I I know that it's been kind of a strange couple of years, like I said, with the pandemic and being able to see people has been difficult. Yeah. So um, my mother... My father, who I said was very stoic, my mother was the cheerleader. It was the great cheerleader. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing I could have done wrong, right? I mean, nice. if I was, uh, you know, if if I was the the if I was in prison, she would say, "Oh my God, he he made the you know he, he's the 
MVP of prisoners or what, you know, I mean, she, <laughs> that's just how she is. But, um, but my mother went through it, you know, I was starting the world poker tour. Her parents died in the same week at their 60th anniversary. Then my dad died. So oh. she lost her parents. She lost my dad. Wow. Um, and I had to, you know, kind of step into that place lately mm-hmm. an amazing story. She lost her memory almost completely, hardly even knew her name. We didn't know, thought it was neurological. As it turned out, um, it was thyroid related. So it's 80% has come back. So I feel like I've gotten my mother back. So it's a That's very good incredible. question you ask because I now know what it would be like as if I lost her and right. she's come back. And I do think I'm a very good person to have around in stressful moments because I, I don't tend to freak out and I tend to get very focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get into that mode, some of those outward uh, evidences of affection that we talked about are probably not there because right. I'm just trying to make sure that the foundation is in place. And so yeah. if there is anything and what, you know, I, I love her dearly, um, but during those times and when I've had to be really particularly tough uh, uh, and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, things are there, I, I'm sure she would have just been happy just to have a, a hug and been told that uh, uh, how much I love her. And I do yeah. love her, but I, I think that was the only thing that I would uh, do uh, yeah. differently. But it's uh, it's a good relationship. What I, look, what I feel like is here's a woman who... Um, Here's a woman who lost her parents, lost her husband, lost her daughter. And at some point she said to me, uh, she was, you know, that hesitation point. It's like when you do, you, she said, oh, I'm just going to, I'm never going to see anyone again or whatever. Well, time goes on and I encourage her. And some guy, she was, she was started to do internet dating kind of thing. <laughs> guy with, in Italy, in Portofino of all places. Oh, wow. And so my mom had never left the country. And then she said, uh, what? Uh, she said, oh, he wants me to come and visit. You know, can you come with me? And I said, I can't. I would be embarrassed. I said, why don't you go? She said, oh, I can't. couldn't do that alone. I said, it's oh. the worst that could happen. But the worst is that could happen is you can die, but you'll die doing something. <laughs> and she went there and she came back and she talked about art and things and things that she saw. And I will tell you, I'm very proud of her because I believe in her senior years as she's got, she's become a more interesting human being. So I'm, wow. I'm quite proud of her. Yeah. That would be something to say. I mean, yeah. I would love to be able to say that as kind of my own legacy when I get into, if I get into my senior years, you know, to become a more interesting person as you get older, instead of doing what everybody expects, which is to become more mm-hmm. conservative <laughs> That's right. and to just kind and of to do what feel. you think is, kind of, you know, to do, it's the, the temptation. You know, the, a society is set up with a good intention, but maybe a bad effect to Mm. let you live in a world where you're comfortable, but we don't, life is nothing if it's not about transition and we don't do transition well when we're in complete comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember from high school, a very, very long time ago, we were supposed to be doing this project and taking excerpts out of different pieces of literature that we found to be meaningful. And there was this one passage from a book and that talked about not wanting to grow up because the, the character in the book could see that adults got to a certain point where, and she used the word congeal, they just kind of congeal. 
And then that's it. That's all they are for the rest of their lives. And I remember that being just absolutely terrifying to me as a teenager. Yes. And I mean, it's, yes, that's, just yeah. that word. I mean, it's, it's gross <laughs> and it's really appropriate because that's kind of how it looks and feels in a lot of ways. Um, what would you say is your biggest fear? Yeah, I think um, having watched someone just lose their memory, um, I I am somebody who, as long as I'm curious, I'm happy, and mm-hmm. and so anything that would impair me, uh, that I would know on my my thinking, my brain was that that, that is, I think yeah. that's quite a, a frightening uh, um, prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? So I, I, I don't remember exactly in front of another person, but I, I do remember it was, it actually turned out to be a, a horrible and wonderful thing at the same time, which often these things go in pairs. Well, while that was happening in December, I, you know, I'd come back from what happened is I was in Necker Island. I talked to my mom. She was having an issue. And then she said, I said, call 911. She said, I don't know how to do that. That was the first time we weren't getting it. By the time I got back, she, she was just not even the same person. Wow. And I'm sitting there thinking, ah, I have to find caregivers. I have to find, but what do I do with this house? What do I do with yeah. 50 years of stuff? Yeah. There's just, you know, one thing in the U.S., we, we, we give you a lot of tools so you can get older, but then we don't tell you what you what your resources are when you're <laughs> older. So I'm sitting there going, ah. And there was a moment. I was just, I'd, I'd run out. I was sitting in a mall. I was sitting in the parking lot of a mall to go get her something. And I felt some, my eyes um, tear up because I... Um, I realized I don't have an answer. I don't know today. On that day, I didn't know what I was going to do. But then I remember I have survived 100% of every time I've had this feeling in the past. And you just endure and some answers will come and a little bit of light will shine for a crack of light. And then it will. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. And now it's wonderful. And she. I mean, ironically, I said, to you, you know, she, she well, she flew remember, she got in a car accident. She hit some people. Those people have now become her caregivers. Wow. And they've moved into her house. I mean, it's just the most That's incredible, incredible thing. But yeah, so light happens. So yeah, that was when I, yeah. that's probably the last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it makes me think that, especially over the last couple of years, something that I have definitely learned, and I'm glad that I have learned, is that nothing ever has to be tackled kind of all at once. We have a tendency, I think, as people to look at the end, the goal, where we're trying to get and just think, oh my God, I have no idea how to get there, you know? And we don't have to do that. We just have to literally maybe pick up a pen and write a note to ourselves to do Uh step one, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. Keep, just keep walking. You don't know where the path is. You don't know what door is going to open. You just keep walking, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and and you trust that 
you know, you look at your past experience. I mean, we, we're all an example of people who have survived. We've survived For until sure. now. So, you know, it, it probably worked out. Yeah. So what's one of your most treasured memories? Yeah, I have so many. I have, wow, I have so many treasured um, mm-hmm. memories. Um, gosh, I, again, I tend to do this in themes. As, as a kid, I... I remember the safety and security of being with my parents, but I just, they're always just changing. I mean, I, I just recently, you know, Steve Lipscomb and I, we said, we got to just go someplace. Right? And we decided we were randomly just going to get on a train and get sleeper hmm. cars in a train. And we were going <laughs> to go someplace. So we went from, you know, we were, we were going to go to LA, but then the track was down. So we went from Oakland to Seattle, Washington. Huh. And we just talked of life. And then when we were tired, we'd go and sleep. And then we'd eat the bad food on the train. And then we would come back. And then when we got on the, we got to Seattle, we saw his wonderful son, Henry. And it, those moments, I mean, so many of my most cherished memories have been on the World Poker Tour. But it's it's those moments where you just, it's not based on any purpose or whatever. You're just living life and appreciating each other I mean, it's, yeah that's it. what would you think oh, I, I, want, I want to do share one there is one oh moment. yeah there's one particular Go. one so you know i wrote the theme song to the world poker tour and uh with a um yeah. with a uh, with a wonderful woman who has sent who has now since passed away unfortunately and she was the arranger and did all did that part but i could get the basic things down mm-hmm. and we we get to, okay, how are we going to record it? And she said, you can put it in the box and you can get these, you, we will record it. And I say, I want to do it with an orchestra. I want a real orchestra. <laughs> I want a 50-piece orchestra. So we hire a 50-piece orchestra wow. to come in and perform something that started with an idea, right? started in a room <laughs> with an idea and it's and it's just a basic time. And I get in there and I see these people and orchestras are amazing things because studio uh, musicians are amazing. They will show up 30 minutes before mm-hmm. you give them the, the music. They look at it. They practice with each other a little bit. Then they're off to the next studio and they yeah. are never race or age. They're, you know, they're fat, they're small, they're, you know, <laughs> they're purple hair. They're of everything that you want in life. They're every bit of diversity comes together for a moment and then they and then i was in the room and i think on the, my instagram there's a little clip of you can see them playing as they're scoring to the lynn and the opening segment and i hear the french horns start to play and i just become emotional oh. because i'm seeing it and i'm seeing it and it represents to me what everything world poker tour was about of all the people coming together mm. over the years for a moment in time and it makes something beautiful. So yes, that was, that was probably one of my most treasured moments. Yeah. I was actually going to, to finish on, you know, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? I feel like you've said so many of these amazing things already and to, you know, to have created and put, and to continue to put something like the world poker tour out there must be high on the list, but is, is there anything else that you would say? is your greatest accomplishment? Well, I do think that 
to me, when I get asked that question, what I, I thought about this, I, what is important to me, so I'm going to say it's my greatest accomplishment, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm just at the beginning of it, uh, <laughs> which is, I believe that you can have a company that respects people, that can show people um, dignity, that can be open, mm. that can treat each other with a degree of kindness and goodness and still be successful, still yeah. be able to last. And, you know, last week was officially when the WPT opened its doors for 20 years. And wow. I feel like I'm just a steward of this brand. You know, my job is a trust. I'm like a, a trustee whose job was to make sure that it gets to the other side of the, the other side of the line. And the fact that we have been able to do this and, be able to go all of these years. And I do think is it perfect? It's not perfect. We'll continue to always try to make it through. But I do think people tend to treat each other within the company with a degree of um, um, respect and, yeah. and maybe affection that, uh, that I'm, I'm quite proud of. Yeah. And I think you should be, honestly, it's a, it's a pretty incredible company, a pretty incredible show. And, You've got some great people working for you as well. So I'm, I've always been a, a massive fan of Lynn's and I think her work is just, she just shines. Lynn Gilmartin oh, just really shines in her role with the, with the WPT it, stuff. I mean, it, it's hard. To, she could lighten, you know, the 11th yeah. level of Dante's <laughs> Inferno. I mean, she is just. Yeah, she is just a very genuine, yes. genuinely nice, kind oh, person. So, Honestly, and it comes across. Yes, uh, she. Uh, her secret is that she was created by Pixar because it's, <laughs> this is just not. Human. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I get it. Actually, that de that definitely makes sense. Oh. Uh, well, that was actually my last question. Um, we tend to keep this to about forty-five minutes. Just to not kind of impose too many deep and meaningful questions on someone, but I really appreciate you opening up the way you did. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, I loved it. I love what you're doing. Please keep doing it. And uh, I do look forward to seeing you this summer. Oh, so do I. And thank you again for coming on, for opening up and, and thank everyone out there for listening. I hope that you feel like, you know, the person behind the cards and the poker tour even better now. So join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker.